The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. Man, what a great day to live in the Pacific Northwest. These are the days where you go, this is why I live here. So anyway, hey, we're in a series called Family Ever After. Today is part four. I know we mentioned this a lot, but if you ever miss one of the messages in a series, you can always go online to uh, grove.church and click on the media link, or you can look up uh, Grove Marysville and uh, subscribe to it and, and check it out on iTunes. So anyway, today is part four, but it is also kind of a continuation of last week's message where we talked about about kind of parenting and, and uh, just some of the principles of parenting. And today we're kind of continuing that a little bit, though, with the angle of um, being a kid as well. So it's kind of a, a in-between sort of like that. And I also want to mention that somebody mentioned to me this is kind of one of those messages where it felt like last week somebody said, I didn't even need to be here because I'm a grandparent, not a parent. And I want to remind you of this. I really believe this content applies to all of us, that all of us need to understand better what it is to be kind of a kid, to, to, you know, be, to, to grow up in the day and age that, that kids do, as well as some of the roles that we play, whether it's grandparent or even great-grandparent, whether it's uncle or aunt or teacher or some level of influence with kids. I really do believe this applies to all, and so I would encourage everyone to pay attention because I think it's helpful for everybody. So we're going to be in Proverbs for the most part today, and um, if you got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there, but the truth is I'm going to refer to a lot of Proverbs, so we'll get to that soon enough. How many have heard the phrase, kids will be kids? I think we all have, and um, uh, the idea of what that means to me is kind of what happened to us on Friday, we're hanging out at home, my kid's opening a can, and all of a sudden he yells from the kitchen, ow, 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 and I go in there and there's blood and there's a deep cut on his thumb, and this is the same kid who broke his arm on Christmas Eve, he was getting better for baseball season, his first practice is tomorrow, and it happens to be on his throwing hand, and I'm like, awesome, this is great, so anyway, um, managed to take care of it, and I don't think it needs stitches, but we'll find out as the days progress, because I'm a horrible parent, but anyway, um, just kidding. But um, I mentioned before, like for me growing up, it was like dirt clawed fights and BB gun wars and all kinds of ways to get injured. And it was kind of a, a, an annual thing where I would go to the ER and have a concussion or have to get stitches or have an x-ray of some sort because something got messed up. And, um, and so today, because of all I experienced and all I learned as a kid, I'm basically kind of a genius because I've learned so much. And now I can confidently, without reservation, say, to my kids, follow me as I follow Christ, or, you know, my son, listen to my instruction, and gosh, I wish I had more confidence when I say that, um, and uh, I would imagine for you, maybe you're sitting here, and you are the perfect parent, or the perfect grandparent, and you can confidently say that, or maybe you're in the same court I'm in, where I'm kind of a disaster, um, but I'm learning and growing, and I want to talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say. In Ephesians chapter 6, Ryan did a great job a couple of weeks ago at tackling Ephesians 5 and, and marriage and, and, and the whole mutual submission conversation and how that's laid out. But Paul then moves into this comment about kids being kids. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life 
on earth. Now, the context here specifically is to kids that are younger, but it doesn't always apply that way. Many of us in this room, whether we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s, um, maybe we have parents that are living, and this still applies, this idea of honoring our parents. Now, Paul uses a couple of phrases here. He talks about obeying our parents, and he talks about honoring our parents. The idea is realizing that we are not self-sufficient, that, that we didn't grow up somehow at one and two and three years old not needing somebody to provide for us to make a meal or make a bed or a place where there's heat or, or a coat that they need or transportation or whatever it is. And so every parent, while we would admit every parent is imperfect, we always need to appreciate our parents for what they have done for us. Now, there's no doubt that there's people in this room that you may immediately go to, okay, for me growing up, that's few and far between. My parents barely did anything, and I realize that for some people that card can be played, but the truth is there still ought to be something that you can give honor to about how your parents raised you and what your parents did do for you. It's a general principle. Honor our parents. Obey our parents. Part of the equation here is that parents ought to have more life experience and should provide greater wisdom than a child possesses. Notice I said should. Not every parent provides the kind of wisdom that they ought to be providing, and there are some kids that realize that mom or dad is not in the moment making the best choice for the relationship or as the adult that has more experience. And that goes back to, on one hand, not every parent is perfect. On another hand, we exchange in the world that we live in, we exchange godly wisdom for worldly wisdom, and James gives us a warning about that very problem. So the general principle is that parents have more life experience and should provide greater wisdom than the child possesses. Proverbs is a great example. If you're taking notes, write down Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. It says this, Listen, my son, could be daughter, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. And all throughout Proverbs, you're going to hear this same thing. Okay, Proverbs 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs 10, verse 1. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother, over and over, 13, 1. Proverbs 15, verse 20. Proverbs 17, verse 25. Proverbs 19, 13. A foolish child is a father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like the constant dripping of a leaky roof. Okay, keep going here. Anyway, um, so there's a freebie there. Okay, that was from two weeks ago. Okay. Proverbs 19, 26. Whoever robs their father and mother drives out them and is a child who brings shame and disgrace. Over and over and over, there's this picture as you look at the book of Proverbs that a, chi- that a child, that a parent, excuse me, or even a grandparent, or even an aunt or an uncle, even a teacher, somebody who has influence over a child, but specifically here, the parent, they are supposed to provide wisdom so that a child can grow up in an environment where they they have the best chance of succeeding at being an adult. That's what they're supposed to do. 
And so the general principle is because we do have more life experience, more age behind us and have learned certain lessons, whether they were imparted to us or we've stumbled along and made our mistakes, that our job is to impart wisdom that, that a young person, as they grow up, can heed that wisdom and be honorable as an adult in their reputation. So over to Proverbs chapter 4, over and over, listen to this. Listen, my sons, like I said, and daughters, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me And he said to me, take hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Throughout the whole chapter, as you fast forward, verse 10, listen, my son, accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps won't be Hampered, when you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Fast forward to verse 20. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Do you understand that as the influencer of a young person, whether they're 3 or 5 or 8 or 11 or 15 or 18 or 21 or whatever that is, that our job as influencers of young people is to give them the right kind of wisdom? But the question becomes for all of us, are we actually doing that? Or are we so busy living our lives quote-unquote, providing the meal, providing the home, providing what they need to exist, that that's all the farther we get? Or are we doing what we're told to do over and over and over throughout the Bible, but specifically in Proverbs? Do we stop to impart life principles? Do we have the kind of conversations, as I said last week, that helps our kids flourish in the ways that God has wired them to flourish? Or do we just live life hoping they'll pick up, here's the good things he did and here's the bad things and just kind of a mixed bag, but you know, I learned a couple things. Because that tends to be the way life goes if we're not more careful, if we're not more intentional. And so we're told over and over to, to offer that kind of, of wisdom. However, some parents, and especially in the day and age that we live in, some parents don't walk in wisdom. Isaiah chapter 5 brings this lament to the world, and it's the issue of sin. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. There are times in certain households where kids are told to do things or, or they're modeled things that are not good things for those kids to pick up, certain habits that are not healthy. Bad risks that that parents take that that bring bodily harm and kids think it's okay and then the kid gets injured, crushed, hurt, devastated, killed somehow because the parent was modeling something unhealthy. Or it's the misuse of resources and all of a sudden kids are taking risks with their own resources and, and things develop and addiction develops that isn't good. Or it's the verbally abusive parent. Well, I just have anger issues and so yeah, I lash out but don't do that. It's not okay. It's more of the do as I say, not as I do 
thing. Or, or maybe the kid is struggling in school, but the parent wants so bad for them to succeed or get ahead that they go, hey, you know, if you got to cheat a little bit or hey, just write it down, don't let your teacher see. And there's families where somehow that's okay. And yet, where is the integrity in that conversation? Extreme examples. And my hope would be these are few and far between, but the parent that needs their child to find them a substance to abuse or grab a bottle of such and such to drink because there's an addiction there. Or the parent or grandparent or family member that's got racist leanings or you know, sexist behavior that they're constantly bringing out and random comments that they make that the child adopts those kinds of worldviews because that's what they live under and what they see and they become what they experience. And so, yeah, some of these are, are harder examples and these are ways that, that it becomes difficult to honor our parents or as Paul says, obey our parents. But let me say this, these ought to be few and far between ways that we don't honor. And the only time, by the way, that we see in Scripture that the principle of God is is to disobey those over us is when it goes against a godly principle. There are a lot of examples, and and David was one of them in some instances that he had where he wasn't completely forthcoming about what he was doing. Another time is Rahab in Joshua chapter 2 that the spies from Israel come to the promised land and and they've heard about this nation Israel and what their God has done, and Rahab feels this fear of this nation Israel and this honoring of of Israel's God, and she hides hides the spies and the people come and go, hey, where are those spies? We need to take care of them. They're spying on our land. And she says, they've taken off. They went such and such a way. And yet she was hiding them and she lied. And in Hebrews chapter 11, she's called righteous for what she did. That's where it becomes we, we disobey or we don't honor our parents because they're going against something that we know is the right thing. But again, those examples should be few and far between. Otherwise, we do need to honor our parents. And sometimes we need to find the good or look for the good when at times we battle with the overwhelming negative in some family circumstances. The goal for parents, for grandparents, for aunts, for uncles, teachers, for influencers of kids, the goal is to impart perspective and to impart wisdom to them. And I want to tackle for a little bit the conversation about media and social media because here's the deal. For some reason, it seems like we're further and further behind the eight ball, especially the older you know, the kind of age goes because the less familiar with technology, grandparents or parents or great-grandparents or aunts and uncles can be. So I want to talk a little bit about the conversation regarding media. So it's a little bit of a left turn, but I wanted to jump into this um, because I think it's super important. When it comes to media and social media, so gaming, apps, phones, iPads, all that kind of stuff that's available, um, even, you know, internet, um, age does matter when it comes to this conversation. Because their brain is developing all the way, obviously, from birth, but into 3 and 5 and 8 and and 12 and 15. Uh, There's plenty of studies that would say the brain doesn't fully develop, especially in young guys, until 24 years old, which some of you guys are going, now some things make sense. But anyway, um, 
Another conversation. Uh, but their, their brain is developing all through childhood, adolescence, and, and teen years. And so age does matter as far as what they are exposed to or what they're allowed to do. Last week, I talked about you know, um, risks with, with uh, you know, the right kind of consequences or the right measure of consequences. So when we talk about this media and social media, age does matter. And what it means is that we need to put time limits on what they're allowed to do. And, and this world that we live in with iPads and social media and internet gaming and who you can connect with through Xbox and all that kind of stuff, um, putting time limits is the beginning of that conversation. Another portion of that conversation is this. Fasting from media is a healthy habit for every family as well as for adults. Can I hear an Amen. I'm always amazed that, that if I'm on Facebook and I see a post and somebody says, hey, could you give up, give up the internet for three days for a million dollars? And people struggle with saying yes. Like, what, what in the, for three days or for a week? Or could you do it for a month? If you struggle with answering yes to that, maybe you need to think about any addiction you might have to social media. Because something's off. Not that we need to be all about a million dollars, because that's not the end all, but... The idea of fasting from media is something as a guardian or a parent or as somebody who's overseeing the development of a child on one level or another, that's a healthy habit. Another one is this. As, as a parent, a guardian, a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle of a kid, when you're around them, can we just remind ourselves being in control is called being an adult? We, we somehow think that, that, that you know, our kids have you know, all these rights and we're afraid to challenge them because what if they get mad at us? That's called parenting. <laughs> kids get mad sometimes. Can we be okay with that? By the way, I'm going to mention a book in a little bit. And one of the chapters talks about how we're constantly thinking that our child's happiness is our main concern. Since when? Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, being in, in control is called being a parent or guardian. For us as a family, our kids are not allowed to have their own accounts or their own passwords. They've got to use our accounts to do any type of downloading of an app or anything. They use ours, and, and that's the world that we live in. For us, our kids don't have their own passwords, and, and we've got to know even their little phone login, whatever that you know, four or six-digit number is on their iPads, Okay. Another thing you need to know, like I said, being in control is called being an adult, is this. It's not theirs even if it was a gift. Can, can we just clear this up? Okay, I don't know what makes us think, well, I gave them the iPhone as a gift or an iPad as a gift or this social media, whatever, as a gift. So it's theirs, so somehow you have no right to, to, to pull it back when they're misusing it. Do you remember 50 years ago when you got a bicycle and you left it out in the driveway overnight or out in the street and dad took it away and said, it's gone for a week? Do you remember that? Because when I was growing up and it wasn't 50 years ago, if I misused something, my parents went, nope, that's mine. And I went, oh no. It's no different with social media stuff. It's no different with iPads and iPods and all that stuff. It's no different. You're still the parent. And if they're misusing it, you ought to have every right to go, that's mine for now. And yet, I don't know what world we live in. We go, well, I gave it to him as a gift. I can't do that. Knock it off. (laughs) 
A third thing under being in control is called being an adult is this. Help explain the why behind the what. Why are we saying you get 15 minutes of media after school? You can play a game for 15 minutes. Why are we saying, hey, this is a no media zone tonight. We're going to hang out as a family. We turned off the Wi-Fi. We, we shut off the phones. We're not doing that for the next few hours. Don't just you know, do it. Make sure you explain the why. And let me remind you, be reasonable, not eccentric. What do I mean by that? When you explain the why behind the what, there are parents that go right to you. Well, you know, I saw a 2020 thing where kids in Japan are dying from too much social media. Yes, you can find those articles. Yes, that has happened. But that's not helping your kid understand the details of the why behind the what. We're concerned about how you interact with, with normal people face-to-face. That's kind of a big deal to us. And we don't want you to be a weirdo when you're a teenager. We don't want you to be a weirdo when you're 20. Okay, walk them through the whys behind the what, but be reasonable, not eccentric. And if you're explaining some of the whys to a seven-year-old, it should sound very different than when you're explaining the whys to a 17-year-old. The whys to a seven-year-old is not, well, I was reading an article from Psychiatry Today, and it was talking about the development of your brain, sweetie. Cheerios. I like game. I just want to play a game. The second thing, like I said, age matters. The second thing is this. Be aware of what they can stumble upon and find all over the place. I don't know how aware you are, but if you play the game of like, well, we don't touch anybody, but you're not even aware of what's out there, my fear is you're not doing the kids around you any favors. It's not that I'm saying you need to go out there and find it all and go, oh, that's there and that's there, and wow, look at that. Because those are traps. But if all we do is play ignorant and keep it all at arm's length without being aware of of what is out there, then when your kids do stumble upon it, you may never know. And so when I talk about being aware, yes, pornography is rampant. And in places you might never imagine that they click on certain links that seem innocent and things open up and all of a sudden there's pictures that are less than savory. And yes, that is out there, obviously. But there's plenty of other things as well from gossipy sites and and trolls and unhealthy and disrespectful dialogue. How many things have you read that as you click on the link to the conversation, it always stays positive? Almost none. There's always somebody out there messing it up. And then people are angry at each other. They're calling each other names and there's language and making sure you're aware of even those things that can seem innocent. But kids all of a sudden think that's a way to communicate because that's what they get to read all the time. There's hate literature online. We shouldn't be unaware of that. And I, these are extreme, and so when I say eccentric, bear with me for a moment here. But, but there's also stuff about how to create violent content, weapons-making sites. Yes, those are out there. And they may not be as prevalent as other things, but they can find that kind of terrorist propaganda is out there. But are you even aware of that kind of stuff? And if you don't have passwords and you can't see where your kids are going, how are you ever going to know that they're even reading some of that stuff? Do you know how to look up the history that your kids are checking out? Do you know how to find the the cookies or or the browser history? There's different ways. Not to mention, you can delete certain apps that, that can open the door to all kinds of places and put apps on that have blocks on them. Nothing is perfect. I've yet to find anything that's perfect. 
but there are different apps out there that give you browser options that don't allow you to go wherever a kid wants to go or wherever you want to go for that matter. So just being aware of this kind of stuff. We can't just throw a blanket over it and keep it in the corner and go, just don't ever touch that. It's not about getting in and exploring all of it and, and, and overexposing ourselves to it because that's not healthy. But if all we do is, is, is leave it in the corner and just go, don't talk about it, there's gonna come a point where that door opens and you're not gonna know what to do. There's a lot out there. Andrew was talking to me at the end of service last year. He said, hey, here's a couple more. And by the way, I had to clip all kinds of stuff out of this message just for time's sake. But he was talking about, obviously, there are people out there that put a, put a false social media account out there. That they, you know, they're a 48-year-old guy or a 42-year-old guy, me or whatever, and they're putting out, they're a 13-year-old girl, and they're friending kids in high school. Yes, that happens. All these things is not meant to, to freak us all out. But if we're so far behind the curve that we're not aware, we're doing a danger to those kids that we've been entrusted to whether they're our children or foster children, whether they're our grandkids or they're our nephews and our nieces. I personally don't believe that social media should be for young teens. I, 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 really, I believe that while there's no hard, fast line on age, I do believe that the older, the better. Because here's the deal. Even adults struggle with using it appropriately. Full-grown adults in this room struggle with using it appropriately. What would make us think, well, I'd struggle, but my 13-year-old would be fine, my 15-year-old. And again, I'm not gonna tell you an age. I'm not here to go, it's 18, because we all know some 18-year-olds can be wildly mature and some 18-year-olds can be morons. Well, most of them. Anyway, so, <laughs> just kidding, I'm teasing. I wanna, I wanna read something, and I appreciated the way that it was framed this week, and I, I, I love the, fo I mentioned the Focus on the Family website um, last week as a resource, and I've got a list of resources at the end today that I'm gonna give you, um, but this was one of the articles, and there's so many that you could spend weeks reading, and you'd never get through it all, but it's so helpful. This one is an article called Virtual Choices, Real World Consequences, and I just wanna read it because I love how they framed 1 Corinthians 6. As our boys grew into lanky teens, we sought help from the Apostle Paul, who wrote, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. We realized that our role, listen to this, was to help our kids develop positive disciplines. Paul goes on to write, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. In other words, online video games and social network chatter may not destroy a teen's faith, but they can stunt his or her potential. It goes on, and I'm not gonna read it for the sake of time, but it goes on in the article, and I have it on here, about three different principles to be aware of, and you can look this article up and email me real quick, and like I said, Virtual Choices, Real World Consequences is the title. What I love is when he brings up 1 Corinthians six twelve. 2,000 years ago, as Paul is trying to coach this church in Corinth on some of their behavioral issues, some of the problems, excuses they were making for sin, their excuse was everything is permissible. And what he meant by that was because of what Jesus did on the cross, he fulfilled the law, which means that you and I today are no longer bound to the Old Testament law. And so they were using this idea of quote-unquote freedom in Christ as permission to do stupid things. And so Paul says this, and he kind of brings a certain danger to the conversation. Paul says this, okay, everything is permissible, great. But not everything is beneficial. And, and now this is obviously not only a conversation for kids, trying to teach and coach kids, 
This is for all of us. There are plenty of things that, you know, social media, and it's no big deal, and I'm an adult or whatever, but is it beneficial? There are millions of things that I've seen on social media that I would love to comment on, but I go, that's not going to go anywhere because that's not beneficial. There are plenty of things that, that you can do and spend your time on aside from social media. Paul says everything's permissible. That's a great license. But is everything beneficial? And then finally, as he, as he turns up the heat one more degree, he says it again. Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. That, to me, is the crux of the matter. That's at the core for every single one of us in this room and every single one of the kids that we influence as a teacher or an aunt or uncle or a kid in the neighborhood or a Grove Kids volunteer, whatever it might be, however you influence. Great for us and for them. Everything is permissible, but I will not be mastered by anything. As we, as we end today, I want to go back to at the heart, what, what should be going on in our families. Because in this series, Family Ever After, we've mentioned the ideas as, as um, Bless This Home, Craig Rochelle mentions, um, we don't want to have a Christian family, we want to have a Christ-centered home. Because a Christian family sometimes is just a label that doesn't matter. But the idea of a Christ-centered home to me is very different. It's a daily thing. Deuteronomy 6, and I would encourage you, if you have a little chalkboard at home, or you want to create a note card, or you know, put it on your dashboard or you, you know, in your mirror as you're getting ready in the morning. This is a really good one to really challenge yourself with. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Clearly, there's a way to take this from the times of Deuteronomy thousands of years ago to today. And while we not, may not bind something on our foreheads, maybe it's a reminder with some of the jewelry we wear what it's supposed to represent. Maybe it's those bracelets that went around years ago, WWJD. What would Jesus do in wearing that? Being challenged by that as you're hanging out throughout your week. As it talks about the door frames and you know, the gates of your house, maybe you go, maybe not that, but maybe it's decor. And you see it all the time. I know at Hobby Lobby, you can get the scripture verses on these plaques you can put up in your house or create one. I know there's a family in our church that the, one of the daughters has amazing chalk drawings and they got a giant scripture over their mantle and it's super creative looking, it's awesome, but it's a reminder of the truth of how they want to live in their home. And so I, I, even back to talk about them when you sit at home, when you're hanging out in your living room, there's times where it's time to turn off the media, including the television, and have conversations about how you're gonna, we've said turn up the spiritual temperature in the home. Maybe at mealtime, instead of the, the media thing and the TV turning it off and going, we're going to sit around a table. This is weird. Because for some families, you just don't do that much. But maybe it's time to take that step and go, we're going to talk to each other. And there's a way to have spiritual conversations. Talks about when you walk along the road. Well, today you could say when you're driving to work or to school or together to the grocery store. Of course, lying down and getting up. I love these verses because to me, it's a great reminder of different ways to make sure that our faith is a daily thing in our families, for kids, for parents, 
young people, adults alike. Some of the resources that I mentioned, I've already said, and these are repeats, but I'm going to read the end of a chapter. And I'm sorry, I'm going to read the table of contents real quick of this book. Focus on the Family is a great website. It's got tons of resources. It's got time from articles to different books they recommend. You can listen to podcasts. There's different conferences and local things that they do in Pacific Northwest and all over the nation, everywhere. Great stuff on there. Uh, Focusonthefamily.com. Um, Generation IY is a great book, especially when you're talking about teenagers right now. Um, I mentioned last week, Parenting with Love and Logic. That's been a really good book for my wife and I too. And that one's in the lobby, by the way. You can buy that on the way out. We still have a few. We ran out last week, so we ordered more. And then this is the one I wanna give you today. We're trying to provide resources. This is the one that we bought a bunch of for this week. It's 13 bucks in the lobby. We're just giving you the cost that we had it shipped for. But I want you to hear um, the table of contents real quick and then I'll be done. Uh, This is called 12 Huge Mistakes Parents Can Avoid by Tim Elmore. Okay, here you go. Mistake one, we won't let them fail. Mistake two, we project our lives on them. Mistake three, we prioritize being happy. Mistake four, we're inconsistent. Mistake five, whoops, mistake five, we remove consequences. Mistake six, we lie about their potential and don't explore their true potential. Mistake seven, we won't let them struggle or fight. Mistake eight, we give them what they should earn. Mistake nine, we praise the wrong things. Mistake 10, we value removing all pain. Mistake 11, we do it for them. Mistake 12, and this is the last one, we prepare the path for the child instead of the child for the path. It's available in the lobby. I th- we probably bought like 40 copies like we did last week. We sold, we've sold out every week. We've provided a resource. Encourage you to pick that up. If we run out, we can, we'll make another order. Just put your name down and we'll take care of that. Um, I just wanna pray and we'll, we'll be done. Father, today, there's so much to these conversations and, and we're leaving it so short simply because there is weeks worth of, of, of ways to look at things. But my simple prayer and looking at the message today and trying to put these pieces together correctly is just the idea that, that for all of us, the real goal for us is to, to walk in wisdom and to provide wisdom for those that come after us. Whether it's the classrooms that we teach in or the neighborhoods we live in, whether it's the families that we're a part of and extended families as aunts and uncles and grandparents and great-grandparents, or it's the fact, like the world I live in right now with four kids, God, for me, the responsibility to provide wisdom, to generate conversation, to bear the burden of not simply existing and letting my kids grow up, but being intentional about how I can show them and teach them how to be wise. That it's not a blanket promise that if you impart all this, they're going to be perfect kids. We know that's not true. But we also believe that when we do what's right, we help them Give the, have the best ability to succeed well. And that's my prayer, God. Help us to do our best with every way that we're entrusted with kids. And there's so many different ways. Parenting for sure, but so many different ways that, that you give us opportunity. Help us to leverage it correctly that we can see the generations that come after us love you passionately. Realize the value of your wisdom, God, for their lives. Jesus, help us do it, God. Give us the tools, Father. Make it more clear as we walk this out day after day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.